Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dusty. It's Season 2. It's Season 2. It's very hard to believe. Gaze at the National Parks is a podcast that was launched last year in September. And here we are, back in September again, with the start of a second season. That's right. And surprise, we came back to you a week early. It is a surprise. We did say there would be some surprises in our downtime. And there was very little downtime. (laughs) There was very little downtime. There was a lot to turn around real quick. There was. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah. We've learned a lot. We have come a long way from the beginning of season one. Do you remember a year ago when we sat down to record episode one? Yeah, we were at my house. I remember like just trying to figure out the sound was a really hard thing. You're like, sound was nope, the air sound. conditioner has to be off. Oh, nope, yeah. the fan has to be off. Nope, your fridge is running. Nope. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of like sound issue that we it had. It took us two episodes to really like figure out the optimal sound levels and quality mm-hmm. and also the beauty that beautiful updated equipment brings you. Yeah. So yeah, we were really figuring out what, what it was in episodes one and two. And right. you can hear that in the sound quality. But, yeah. You know, we learn and we grow. That's right. And um, yeah. And so when you return to episodes one and two, you will, you'll hear that. Yeah. You'll hear a little bit of that. Yeah. But um, by episode three, like we had figured it out. Yeah. Um, we visited 10 parks in season one. From Zion to Acadia. From Zion to Acadia. We went with alphabetically the, backwards there. Ta-da. Ta-da. And in season two, we are going to 12 different parks. That's correct. If you are tuning in for the first time, Gaze at the National Parks is the podcast that explores America's national parks through its trails. Each week, we literally take you onto the trails of a different national park, one trail, one park at a time. Our episodes are structured just like our hikes. We play games, we write drag names, and play trivia. Because you want to keep your mind active sometimes when your body gets tired after hiking all those miles on a trail. Yeah, like when both of us hit our wall and we're still very far away from our car. It's a good thing to have a game to help us out. Our Instagram account is a companion to the show. Every Monday when we upload a new episode, we also upload a Trailheads post on our Instagram where you can follow along with photos about all the things we talk about on the episode. 
And for a more in-depth view, you can visit our brand new website that has a whole lot of information and imagery from our travels in past national parks and the park that we're currently talking about in the episodes on the podcast. Visit us at gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's all one word. And that's gaze, G-A-Z-E. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes and open your heart when you gaze at the National Park At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you there Well, what a summer it has been. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe that it's crashing to a close now. I know. It Welcome feels to like September. June was a million years ago, and that we were in Hawaii like a million and two years ago. A million and two years ago. Yeah, it's true. It does feel like forever ago. Right. Yeah, there was some serious time travel that we did to get to Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And twelve then hours of flying. Twelve hours of flying. Yeah. And then like a week of like waking up at 5 a.m. consistently. Yeah. I was more out like of two like, weeks, I feel like. It was like literally out of like, uh, you know, nature woke us up at 5 yeah. a.m. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm awake now. And it's yeah. casually Circadian 5 a.m. Circadian rhythms, girl. Exactly. Circadian rhythms. So yeah, we, um, we started our summer off by a very big trip. It's probably the furthest that you and I have traveled together. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think so. It's a long, long it way. It's a long, long journey. And we started our journey at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. That's right. Tell us a little bit about Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Sure. Mike. The park itself was established in 1916 as a part of Hawaii National Park. It was established in August, so she's a Leo. Oh, okay. Um, but then it was later renamed Hawaii Volcanoes in September of 1961. So she's a Virgo on a Libra cusp there. Oh, so, so she's now a rising... Rising Virgo. Virgo. Yeah. Great. The park is really great for astronomy, um, for backcountry camping, geology, and hiking. Um, if the volcanoes themselves are active or they're, well, they're always active. There just may not be any lava that is flowing, but that is a thing that is very sought after in the park to go back at night to see the glow of the lava. So that's a very popular thing. And there are hikes through craters, across lava fields, through lava tubes, depending on how active things are in the park. So we started our journey to Hawaii at JFK Airport out of New York, and then we flew to Seattle, had a one-hour connecting flight in Seattle, and from there flew to Kona Kona Airport Mm -hmm. on Big Island, Hawaii. What was it like for you landing in Kona? Well, it was a relief because it it was a very, very long flight. (laughs) Yeah. How many Um, movies did you watch? I watched 
Well, I slept a lot. Yeah, you also slept for like 15 minutes the night before. I did. That's true. Yeah. I started like seven movies yeah. and I think I watched a full four. I read a whole book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You were very good and, and very And then I literate. think I watched two movies too. It was something crazy yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. a lot. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of things happening in my body. Right. Yeah. So we arrived at Kona Airport and Kona Airport is an outdoor airport. It was the first time I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty you, crazy because you, walk, you land on the tarmac and you... Like I've been on a tarmac before where I've been on a plane where you're not like connecting through a gate where you're actually like coming down a ramp onto the the tarmac and then walking into the air quotes terminal in this case. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an outdoor airport. It wasn't a very big airport by any means. It was like outdoor airport, small airport. From there, we picked up the rental car. Which took two seconds. Two seconds. Also, the smallest enterprise I think we've ever been totally. at. Totally. Yeah. And then we headed off down the road to our Airbnb. It was very, very dark when we arrived. Right. We got in was, around like six or seven, I think, by the time we actually landed. Yeah. It was probably a little after seven. Yeah. So it was, you know, we had been traveling since. For about 12 hours. And then we had to drive another hour and a half yeah. to where we were staying. But we do that because we try to be kind to ourselves the second day. We were very close to the park. I think that put us like a half hour away from the park. Yeah, it, it was put kind us of about our, our closest. 45 without. minutes from the yeah, park. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. We arrive at our Airbnb, which looked very much like a hippie commune. It was a hippie um, commune, I'm pretty there sure. There were a ton of people staying yeah. in this place. And well, we didn't realize that until the next day, though. No, when but, we saw all of them. Yeah. And it just looked like a constant party was happening. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, you know, like 50 plus, yeah. I think. And then like, I was like, I don't know, but I want to live here. Yeah. You know, like this, this looks interesting. Yeah. We also drove, like when we drove off the highway onto like the neighborhood roads, it was incredibly dark. The next day when we were able to actually see what we were driving, it was just black volcanic rock, basically. All black there volcanic were plants rock. And things and- like that, but... It was a very different landscape than either you or I have ever really seen. Exactly. Yeah. And we pull into the Airbnb, which was lovely. And it uh, was a studio on the side of this house with an outdoor bathroom. Yeah. Which was totally fine. Except for that palmetto bug that chased you. There was the palmetto bug that chased me. Yeah. I was I'm a little traumatized from palmetto bugs growing up in Mississippi. Yeah. They are enormous there and they fly. And yeah. you know, so did these. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little tra- yeah. It was it was a lot, but <laughs> we got through drama. it. It was yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. You know. Someone did tell me they were like, listen, you this is like an exercise in just like coexisting. Yeah. And yeah, it totally one hundred percent is. And I fully yeah. you know, believe in that. But the Airbnb also had like a kitchen which was like was attached. They were like, We have farm fresh eggs from our chickens for you to cook, which was awesome. And our host also did say to us that this is the closest you'll get to a third world country inside the United States. Yeah. Which was interesting in that I think because the water is really not potable at all. They use a lot of catchments for things, um, including like the sh- their showers and things like that. Um, you really can't drink the water. So we had to use, they had like a, like a bottled water system that we filled our bladders and things with. So it was really interesting to hear that because we'd not really experienced that either. It was no, very different. That was brand new. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we pulled into our Airbnb or really when we were leaving the next morning, how, you know, they had mentioned that they had chickens. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I saw there were there were just chickens 
about. Yeah. And this was something that came up a lot in Hawaii was oh, yeah. just the constant chickens yeah. everywhere. Constant chickens. They roam free. Yeah. It's beautiful. They are like a wild bird in Hawaii. The way that seagulls roam, you know, the beaches. And like all their little baby chicks following along too. Oh, yes. It was, I loved that. Yeah. It was really, really neat. So the next morning we naturally woke up at around 5 a.m. Yeah. Because that was just what our bodies did. Yeah. I think we probably conked out around 10 p.m. Hawaii time with the intention of still getting up early and kind of knowing we would because we only had the day in Hawaii volcanoes. So we really wanted to make the most of the visit. I think that both of us just rolled over and we're like, well, we're up. Well, we're up. Let's go. The cool thing is where the bed was in the Airbnb is that there were windows on both sides and you could see all the way to the ocean out our window. So that was really cool. I mean, we were high enough up. Um, there were some like trees and plants blocking, but you could see the ocean, which was really neat. Oh, yeah. And it was like, this was not any kind of like beautiful kind of resort. No, no, stay no. By any means, this is not, that's not our journey here. No. But the, um, it was like an affordable Airbnb and yeah. it was, had a really beautiful view. That was a total surprise. Yeah. We packed our bags and we filled up our bladders mm -hmm. and we got in the car and we hit the road. Yeah. And it was a really beautiful drive over basically, I mean, it's roads that have been made through all of this uh, volcanic rock. Right. There were trees. I mean, it was, there were, it was like a two lane highway the whole way there. It was kind of a straight shot when she got back onto the main road and we drove all the way down that main road and it brought us right to... Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Yeah, keep in mind the park is basically on the southern part of the island. Where we flew into Kona, we were way northern. It's like about a 96-mile drive from Kona to Volcanoes, which is why we ended up breaking up the drive by having our Airbnb be in know, the middle in the of middle things. So when we got to Volcanoes, we went right to the visitor center, and we knew that there was a good likelihood that the visitor center wasn't going to be open. We say good likelihood because sometimes I think when we were in Colorado, the visitor center like posted times on Google were actually wrong and the visitor yeah. center was open earlier. And Typically, visitor centers open at either eight or, or nine, nine o'clock. Yeah. Honestly, um, I've never seen one that opens at seven. No, unless oh my God, it's probably I for a special occasion. I know <laughs> right. you just got very because excited I'm coming. About that. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a lot of great like signage literature. There was like a topographical map that was at the visitor center too, and it was pretty quiet because obviously it wasn't opened. So we kind of just poked around to kind of like get a little bit of information about what was open and what was available. This is a good time to talk a little bit about the eruptions that happened in 2018. Right. Because when we got to the visitor center and looked at the maps that were outside the building, the National Park Services had edited a lot of things. There were parts of the map that, you know, they had made red and said like closed and, you know, to yeah. make sure that, you know, no matter what, you were looking at something that was updated. Right. So in 2018, there were actually a series of different eruptions that happened. According to the New York Times, on April 30th, the Pu'u'u'u crater of Kilauea volcano on Hawaii suddenly collapsed. It was the start of a month long of eruptions that went to 
basically produce a ton of lava that transformed the landscape of the park and of the island and ultimately destroyed about 700 homes. Kilauea is one of several active volcanoes on the island. It's the largest and it's found in the southeast corner of the island of Hawaii, the big island, which is basically where Volcanoes Park is. That created a host of issues for the park itself and for the island. We were on a trip to California and we had talked about Hawaii. And then all of a sudden this was in the news. And I guess we said, oh, I guess we're not going to Hawaii anytime soon. I do remember saying that to you. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Um, But here we were a year later there. We had done a lot of research too before heading there. And we had used Park Chasers as a good resource because they had been to Hawaii volcanoes. And there were some things that they definitely recommended doing that unfortunately were totally closed off because the eruptions had made things unstable. There were some times where we were hiking in the park where we were able to hike out to a certain point, but then the rest of it was roped off or, you know, caution taped off and you couldn't go any further or it was recommended not to go any further, which is basically code for don't go any further unless you want to risk life and limb. Right. Um, And you should always heed what those warning signs are saying. So that created a a lot of issues for the park itself. It really did transform the landscape. And so I think they're trying to figure out what is possible in the park now and how to best move forward. There was actually an article that recently came out. It was on Wired that there was water in the Kilauea volcano in the caldera. Scientists are really uncertain what that means. If it's rainwater that's just collected, then it's not a big deal. But if it's groundwater that's swelled up, then it could be the start of another eruption period. And so I did say they did say that they would have to, in order to test it, like go in on a helicopter and like drop a bucket to collect the water so they could kind of test what the water like sample would be. (laughs) The deeply scientific process of (laughs) getting drop the bucket. Drop the bucket in the water, get it out in the water. Yes. To get us up to speed Park Chasers is a website that we love as a resource, parkchasers.com, started by Amy and Greg Sipple. We love their website. And a caldera. What is a caldera? A caldera is a large cauldron-like hollow that forms shortly after the emptying of magma of a magma chamber reservoir in a volcanic eruption. Um, When large volumes of magma are erupted over a short time, structural support for the rock above the magma chamber is lost, forming that caldera. And there we go. That is the Caldera. Now, the state of the volcanoes in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, when we were there in late June of this year, was that the volcanoes are technically considered active. Right. But there was no active lava in any of them. That was a question that the park rangers got fuel like you know, bombarded oh, with. Oh, right and left. Like right, right and, and left, left when we were in the visitor center. And in the map about Hawaii Volcanoes National Park published by the National Park Service, it says like you can come back later at night to see the glowing embers of the lava from the volcano. You can mm-hmm. see it when it's really dark. Uh, that is no longer true because there's no more active lava. Maybe soon there will be, though. Because of this water. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Let's see what the bucket test reveals. Let's see what it reveals. It's the lava bucket challenge. Literally. <laughs> we took a look at the map, and we did want to make sure that we swung back around to the visitor center just to like talk to a park ranger, get some more info when it did open. Right. But we knew there were some trails that we could do before 
the visitor center was open. So we looked at the map and we uh, saw there was a short trail called the Sulphur Banks Trail, which included some steam vents that were coming up from the earth. And that looked really interesting to yeah, us. Yeah, and it was really literally right by the visitor center. It was a really quick jaunt from where we were. So we headed off onto the Sulphur Banks Trail. Okay, so we're on the Sulphur Banks Trail. And um, it's, I mean, it's just paradise mm-hmm. all over the place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. The plant life is like nothing I've ever seen anywhere else in the world. So It's very green. Mm-hmm. It's warm today. The sky is very blue. There are a ton of clouds. There are these steam vents. These steam, uh, the steam is rising out of the, the earth. Um, and how would you describe the smell, Mike? Um, it's well right now. It's not as bad, but I don't know if that's if we're u- because we're used to it now. But it's like a light, like someone like striking a match against a matchbook. And you described it as what? I described it as like the aftermath smell of like a bottle rocket firework. Yeah, I think both hold true. But we are um, making our way around the sulfur banks right now, and it is beautiful, breathtaking Jurassic Park realness. Mm -hmm. Most of this trail was on a boardwalk that curved around some, like, what felt like marshy areas. Mm -hmm. But But were, like, mostly vented. But were rock. Yeah. And then in the rock, there was all the steam coming out. Right. And it was, yeah, literally sulfur. Right. And they did recommend not to be too near to the vents for too long a period of time. Um, There was actually a lot of great signage along the Sulphur Banks Trail that gave a lot of good information as we were hiking through. One of the placards on this trail told us a little bit about how the collapse of the Kilauea Summit, which is the volcano that once was this mountain, what happens is these gases from the magma get released through the faults and fractures in the earth creating these steam vents. Wherever this happens, plant life cannot grow. And so that is why you get this very sort of like colorful, corroded landscape of rock all around the steam vents. I think one of the coolest things was near the like the very large pronounced vented openings, you could see the color of the stone was that like kind of limish green, like sulfur color which is like typical for like what a sulfur rock would look like and or sulfur would look like in rock form. It's kind of got like an acrid sort of yellowy green color to it. So we're a little farther along on the sulfur banks trail. Well, we've got, we're still on the sulfur banks trail, right? I think maybe, but we're along the caldera. Now we've wandered into the forest, which feels like a rainforest. There is technically rainforest here in this park. There is. Yeah. Um, But what does it smell like? It smells like citronella now. So I'm sure there's some natural citronella growing somewhere. I just can't figure out where. It This is like paradise, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And after walking a little while on the Sulphur Banks Trail, which is really not a very long trail at all, um, we eventually were able to connect up with the Crater Rim Trail. And with that, let's take a break. We love playing games. Playing games on the trail like keeps us going, especially when our bodies are starting to get a little tired. 
so we play games on every one of our episodes. We play some games that exist, and but we also, our favorite thing to do is to create new games. And we just created this one. It's called Eruptions. In this game, I'm going to give you three things, and you tell me which one would make you erupt the most. Great. And I'll do the same for you. Inspired by the volcanoes of this episode. <laughs> okay. All right, Mike, here you go. Great. Okay, here are your three. The copy machine is always jammed. There is always traffic anytime you drive anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or three, there is a $10 cover charge just to get inside of Aldi anytime you wanted to shop there. Uh, Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it's probably Aldi. Like, I'm not paying $10 to go to Aldi, <laughs> and it's so cheap, damn it. Look at that. I'm mm-hmm. like a volcano, spewing magma lava everywhere. Literally. Literally. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Going on a hike and having lunch, but realizing that your hiking partner covered everything in mayo, so you can't eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, being in a car ride with infinite Diet Coke, but no way to stop to use the restroom. Or knowing that meeting Meryl Streep means that you have to zip line down from Angel's Landing. Oh, that is... Okay. Um, yeah, I, went, I went hard and deep there. The, the truth is I, I would deal with the heights of Angel's Landing to zip line to meet Miss Streep, mm-hmm. certainly. And the thing about... Um, the thing about the car, I think I would literally erupt if I had no way to, <laughs> right. um, like, to use yeah. the restroom, right? No, but the mayo thing would really, really, that that just... Yeah, I've seen you full hissy on mayo before. Ooh, you know, it it bothers me when people just assume like, oh, everybody loves mayo. We're just going to slather it over everything <laughs> and make all the everything just wet, 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 wet with mayo. <laughs> like, you know what? Some of us out there don't love the mayo. Right. So... So yeah, that's my feeling on that. Okay. And that... So mayonnaise. <laughs> and that was eruptions. Now let's get back to the trails. So what are we looking at now? A giant crater. Yes. And this crater... I don't know what the name of it is off the top of my head, because there's a few of them up here. Um, but it is... Uh... It's right at the end of the Sulphur Banks Trail. And... It's a big, giant, open crater. There are There's steam coming out of various cracks in the crater. Um, there's steam coming at us right now. It's very warm. Um, and there are all these cracks through the... Is that old magma, like, mm, down there? I guess it's basalt now. I think that's what happens to it. Uh, as, you know, in my USGS brain here, yeah, it's like dry... It's hardened magma or hardened lava. Hard, what, what was once lava flow? So we were actually looking at the Kilauea caldera when we had approached the the rim, basically, from the Sulphur Banks Trail. The trail basically hits a road, you cross the road, and then you can kind of walk right up to the rim of the caldera there. And it is incredibly vast. It doesn't seem like it's that far down. In reality, it is actually a pretty far drop if you were to fall into the caldera. <laughs> right, right. Right. And to be clear, these volcanoes do not look like mountains with like an opening at the top. I would compare these volcanoes. They look like canyons. And then at the bottom of them is where like the, like the openings were. Yeah. But I think we're also like staring at the forest from within the forest. You know what I mean? Oh, it's true. If you were like, if you were on the coast, it looked like a mountain 
yeah, 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 a bit. But I'm saying like it wasn't like a um, like a four year old's drawing of what a volcano exactly, would be, <laughs> which is you know <laughs> like a pointy top with like magma spewing out exactly. of the top because they of didn't the look like covered and everything. Didn't look like right. This. No, no, no. Spewing is what I said too. <laughs> Not I know, I know, not a yeah. word. The um, so it did feel a little bit like the same feeling one might get if you're hiking around a canyon, except sure. the you know you're at the rim of the canyon and at the floor of the canyon is uh, where an active volcano is technically. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, I think it is important to like realize the scope and like proximity we were because you really oh, are, sure. like, you know zoomed in we were zoomed in <laughs> yeah we were on the crater rim trail which would basically take us back to the visitor center yes if we wanted to go one direction right but the other direction you can just see the crater from different angles if you keep going along the crater mm-hmm. rim trail and the crater rim trail is about 1.6 miles long however part of it was closed because of the recent volcanic eruption right if you had kept going along it you would have gotten to the jagger museum we ended up at i think it was a military base that was up there yes um, which is where we needed to turn back around so we did hike a little further out on it as you're hiking along it the caldera is over to your left and then the road and uh, the steam vents are over to your right Mm -hmm. and there's still some steam vents about as you keep walking yeah and then you kind of come into this covered yeah it's like a canopied forest canopied rainforest and it was beautiful and it had all kinds of plant life. And this is where we saw this area. And I had never seen this area in a national park before, but there was this overlook and there was a sign that NPS had placed there that said, please be silent in this area. It was a designated quiet area. It was a designated quiet area that is used specifically for meditation. Yeah, it was really, really nice. And there were a bunch of overlooks. So that was like one of a few that was there for you to be contemplative at the edge of the caldera, which was really nice. Yes, you can look into this volcano and mm-hmm. think about your own life. <laughs> <laughs> and how it may soon erupt. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the trail was very short. It did take us back along the way that we had come with the sulfur banks now on our left, um, as we passed kind of the major opening there at the Sulphur Banks, you did kind of delve back into more of a rainforest. More of a rainforest. There were a few offshoot trails. Again, a number of them were closed because they would take you down to the caldera and then to because the crater. You once upon a time, you were able to hike across the Kilauea caldera and essentially like look down into the crater, the crater of this volcano. However, they did not want people on this caldera because of how active it technically was. Right. Even though there's no technically active lava in there. As we were hiking back, there are points where there were steam vents, like sulfur vents that were just in the forest, which was really cool. There was one part too, where we're like, Oh, that's just a clear sheer drop off, like oh, yeah. right down like, to the caldera, like right next to through the, the trail. woods. Like, yeah, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, stay um, on the trail. Stay everybody. on the trail. <laughs> you could just fall down. Yep. I mean, it was like a it's like a cliff's edge, but it was 
just had vegetation down the right. side of it. Yeah. That led us back to the visitor center. So we did finally go inside the visitor center and we talked to a park ranger. And this wonderful park ranger told us all about where we could go that was open mm-hmm. and what to see in different areas of the park and how to make the most of your time here at Hawaii Volcanoes. One of the trails that the ranger suggested was... The... Hale Mau Mau Trail, which would take us basically down to the edge of the caldera. The like edge you could stand of the Kilauea caldera. Yeah. So we got our national parks patches because we always get those. Yeah. I looked at some t-shirts, did not get any. Well, we did, but it was funny because we saw a t-shirt. When we were in Colorado, we met someone. Oh, um, we had met had someone that a Hawaii Volcanoes t-shirt on, and it was the same one. And we did see center, the same so, one in the visitor center, which but you were we disappointed by. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy yeah, that t-shirt. Yeah. But anyway, we went to the car and we snacked for a minute. Yeah, you know, hike early, hike often. We had a beautiful parking spot, and we walked right there, snacked for a minute, and we were like, "Okay, let's go get on this other trail right yeah. over here. That'll bring us down to the Kilauea Caldera at level." Yeah. And with that, let's take another break. Another game we play while we are on the hiking trails is we write drag queen names. It is one of our favorite things to do to come up with the punniest, funniest drag queen names that just crack us up. So, Mike, why don't you introduce this queen because you are the one who came up with this Sure. Name. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage, Betty Wins. Betty Wins. Betty Wins, not to be confused with Betty Loses. That's right. That's right. We had a long discussion about Betty Wins versus Betty Loses, right. and um, Betty Loses just feels so tragic all the time, yeah. but Betty yeah. Wins feels like triumphant yeah. and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um who do you, what, okay, um, who is Betty Wins? Betty Wins for me, I don't know. I feel like the name Betty is like a very like 1950s, like housewife, like, like that just sort of feel like that's her aesthetic as aesthetic, far as her yes. outfits goes. Um, um, but I would like for it to be like lean a little more Rosie the Riveter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, you know like independence yeah betty wins right oh yeah yeah that's totally about right but i do feel like it could be like she could have um like an outfit like a quick change where she's a 1950s housewife with her hair tucked up and then it's like cinderella's dress reveal and then it turns into like a hard you know a hardened steel working woman oh i like that like maybe it's during a lip sync to sisters are doing it for themselves Uh, probably i think that's probably exactly what it is exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I think there might be some illusions that she has to like Betty Flintstone mm-hmm. or Betty Boop, mm-hmm. depending. Like other mm-hmm. famous Bettys. Other famous Bettys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Betty Draper from Mad Men. Oh yeah, it's very maybe like so. you know. Yeah, I think January like her, Jones, Cold Ice Woman. <laughs> um, I think that her her postcard for her shows mm-hmm. is a like. Um, themed like a playing card mm. like a card from a deck of cards mm-hmm. like it looks like that so but okay. but instead of like a king or a jack or a queen in the middle of the card it's betty mm-hmm. betty wins betty wins a betty wins show a betty wins show right yeah i feel like there's some kind of gambling involved in her show like okay like an audience member gets to come up and like 
play some sort of... We've got a lot of, like, you know, irons in this fire here. We do. Like, a little, like... But there needs to be some sort of gambling... Homage. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how that works itself all into this, you know, very crowded act. Yeah, now it's a very... Yes, it's it's thematic. Mm, She might start with Luck Be a Lady. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Be the beginning of a Betty Wynn show. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. There's a lot of transformation happening in this show. There is. All right. And I think her ideal venue would be like Vegas or Atlantic City mm-hmm. or something like that. Showgirls. A lot of misdirection. Totally. Misdirection, ladies and gentlemen. Miss- Betty Wynn's in misdirection. <laughs> misdirection. Take the stage. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage Betty, Betty Wins. Wins. Okay, so we're currently on which, what's the name of the trail, Mike? Uh, don't ask me to say it again. <laughs> it's hard. Yes, we're going to make sure we get the pronunciation of right. that, this trail. But it's correct. Like the rainforest trail. It is basically the rainforest trail, and it is 100% a rainforest. What are some things we're seeing? Lots of trees, lots of ferns, some beautiful bird songs. Like banana leaves. Smells. Yeah, right now I'm getting like a really different sort of smell. This is a park of smells. Yeah, this is, it's beautiful and fresh, whatever mm-hmm. I'm smelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are headed down to what essentially will be the base of the caldera, the other caldera, mm-hmm. like not the it's the Kalau caldera we're going down to, I'm pretty sure. Right? Oh, I thought we were going to the other one. Oh, okay. Thanks to fact check. Thanks to fact check. <laughs> but yeah, it is, uh, it is, uh, you know, the dreamiest of dreams here on this rainforest, like in it's in this rainforest. It's just, um, I could just stand here forever, I think. And the accurate pronunciation of the trail's name is Hella Mau Mau. And it is a trail that leads you um, from essentially like the rim all the way down to Caldera level. We nicknamed it the Rainforest Trail, but it is the Hala Mau Mau Trail. So we kept describing the trail as paradise. And I think it's really important to get more of a sense visually for what that was like. After seeing this giant open caldera, um, and then being kind of whisked away into the rainforest of this very, you know, the same landscape. It was an incredibly kind of whimsical change. The air was very different. The tree cover was incredibly like, beautiful. There were giant palms and also ferns. Um, seeing like the curl of a fern curled up before it actually releases its like its fronds was really really interesting everything felt like it was very much so preserved in a time capsule it was really an interesting landscape that i think you or i had really never been party to before and it just felt like a tropical wonderland and i mean this was really just scratching the surface of what we ultimately saw in Hawaii. This seems to be more of the commonplace, but for us, it was like our really our crash course. So I think we were kind of overwhelmed and and very wowed by it. It was very easy to be very wowed very quickly in Hawaii, almost anywhere you turn. Mm -hmm. And uh, this trail was such a lovely introduction to the rainforests of this particular island in Hawaii and it was just beautiful it was hot but it was so 
gorgeous and so fun. I mean, it was just like, you know, giant leaves and giant trees and giant flowers, like right and left all along the sides. And like, it was uh, a fairly steep downhill trail to get down to the bottom of this caldera. But it was only about 0.4 miles down in one direction. And so, um, you know, there and back is less than a mile. But yeah, I mean, it was steep. Yeah. Uh, you know, going down was was fairly easy. By the time we got there, I was feeling really good. And it was it was cool to see like, okay, this is what the caldera looks like at caldera level. So we are literally standing inside of a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the... Non-active volcano. No, I, it's active, right? Well, I mean, there's no lava that's There's no right active now. lava, no but fall. there is, but it is considered active. Right. The ground is just sort of dark gray, yeah, it's crusted like magma. rock, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you used to be able to walk right through the caldera, and like right, that used to, the to be the trail to the, to the crater. But since the 2018... Um, yeah, a lot of stuff's been... A lot of it has been, you know, like uh, closed off. Um, but you can actually see these enormous cairns that had been created so that people could walk through the caldera all the way to the crater. Um, so, no more. No more. I mean, you can't anymore, no. but you can still see them. Yeah. Now it's like roped off that says area closed. When we were at the base there, right at the edge where everything was roped off, we saw these giant cairns that were like very clearly the pathway out to look at the overlook for the crater. So yeah, after kind of being in a very small roped off area at the bottom of the caldera there and kind of taking a look around, we decide that we're going to head back up. Um, I think you actually called your mom. You were doing a lot of like FaceTiming because your mom was really excited and she wanted to see what it was like there. Yes. And there was cell phone signal. Yeah. And so that was why I was like, you know, I'm going to call everybody I know who's (laughs) dying to see what the volcano looks like. I called my, you know, my nieces and my nephews and I was like, everybody, this is what a volcano, and they're like, that's a volcano. And I'm like, it is. This is technically what a volcano is like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah. And we made our way back up through the rainforest, which it was really neat to see, you know, I think one thing that we are always enamored by is once you hike backwards on a trail, you don't turn around really when you're hiking out. So it's really cool to get that second sort of view um, on the way back. Yeah. So like we could come through these like kind of like rocky, like narrow passages. And I just remember that being like a really neat part of the trail. They were like moss covered, kind of headed back through those. There were a bunch of people that were headed down at this point. Like when we got down to the bottom, there was like a couple that was there, but they like quickly left. But nobody else was down there like for the, you know, five or 10 minutes that we were there. So there were started to be like a lot more people like populating the trail. We passed a a guided ranger tour too. Um, So that is something that, you know, most parks do guided ranger tours. You just have to see what time they're leaving. You know, it's usually in the early mid-afternoon. Um, and I think that's kind of like, it was like 10 or 11 at this point when yes. we were there. So um, that seems like a very typical time for tours to lead. And we always recommend them because we don't get to do a whole lot of guided ranger tours uh, only because we 
are usually going 90 miles an hour to like, you know, and we love trails. And so we want to like get our feet on them as much as possible. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, it's really great when we get to like happen upon one and get to, you know, hear one for a bit so that, you know, we can get some more context. Yeah because they really are NPS and the park rangers, they really are the educators. Right. And they're super thorough about everything. Super thorough. And to add on to what you were saying about the there and back trails, I know there's sometimes there's this feeling of like, oh, I'd rather do a loop trail so that when I'm done, I'm back to where I am in the beginning. Um, because then I don't have to, you know, turn around and recycle the trail, repeat the trail again. But when but when you hike all the way to one place and then you turn around, like you get a totally different experience yeah. on the way back. It's like the flip side of a coin. Literally the flip side. And yeah. so, yeah, I remember like when we first started on hiking trails, I was always like, no, I'd rather do a loop trail. And then yeah. after being in so many places that just didn't have loop trails, I was like, oh no, that's this is... Yeah, it literally is a second experience. A second time around step <laughs> by step. Literally. Day by day by day. And with Hawaii volcanoes, with so much of the trails being roped off or blocked because of the eruption, you know, basically I think everything we hiked was a there and back. There were maybe one, maybe mm, one Everything loop. was everything a, there, was and a there and back. So that was kind of what we were dealing with. And, you know, we've had to learn from our travels to roll with the punches when it comes to the conditions in a park. They are never perfect. Um, there is always something we might want to do or would really love to see, but because of the weather, because of the conditions, it's just not possible. You got to be flexible. And you got to just be flexible. And that's exactly what we did. And we still made like an incredibly full day of this park. So much so that we have another episode about the rest of our journeys here. Yes. So stay tuned for part two. Let's put these trails on the Karen Stone scale. This is a scale that we created because there is this word that is often used to describe hikes, which is strenuous. Most of the national parks use it. Uh, we understand why. They want you to understand that, you know, certain parks are going to very much tire your body and some of them are really uphill and steep. We found that strenuous in one park never meant the same in any other park. So um, we are looking at this from like a like uh based on all of our travels across the board um trying to you know uh even the playing field here with um our ratings of how difficult or easy uh a trail can be Mm -hmm. so let's start with the sulfur banks trail like a lovely oh. boardwalk walk. Does it even make it on the Karen Stone scale? I don't think she does. I don't think so either. Yeah. I think, I mean, it it's wasn't a walk. strenuous. It was like, I feel like we just strolled. It was our first thing. It's a beautiful it's a nice stroll. way to break you in the park. So go. This is like yeah. an everybody can do it. Yeah. I would also maybe say the same for the Crater Rim yeah. Trail, which is like, hey, like this is a walk. Yeah. You get an amazing view. There's not really like, any real uphill or downhill yeah, or a little uh, bit here and there, but nothing but it is crazy. A paved pathway. 
Um, no, it's 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 rocky. I mean, it's well, like I mean, gravelly. Some, most of it is paved, though, right? No, no. Well, that is how I internalized <laughs> and remembered it, girl. No, it's like that's dirt. how that's how easy yeah. I remember okay. it to be. Yeah, I I do have to say kind of the same thing there, and I would say that the Halamalmau Trail, I would give it like maybe a two or a three. Like, no, no, I would give it much more than that. Yeah, yeah, because the uphill on the way back was like there was some uphill. I'd give it a four. Okay, well, I'm gonna stay with the three then. You, you gave me with judgment eyes. I, well, <laughs> you were like, oh, it's so easy, and it was like it was not easy. But it was short. Me. That's what I kind of yeah. It was by. short. Like and I will still stick with yeah. the four. Yeah. So we're looking at seven Karen stones. Yeah. I mean, this first day there was a lot to do because I think there's so much to take in. So even though the trails are short, there is just like so much to see and kind of be awed by that your time like just on these three trails can like be like half a day. I feel like, easily, you know, easily in Hawaii volcanoes, there's so much to look at. Right. So you need to keep your eyes up the whole time. Yeah. You know, Karen's are collections of rocks that um, are stacked up and Karen's are often used to mark trails. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is where we got the inspiration for the Karen stone scale. Yeah. She's a it's queen. Too. Also a drag queen. Right. right. Exactly. Karen stone. Yeah. Um, who is the very rare intersection of three kinds of drag names, which is a straight up woman's name, mm-hmm. a punny name, because Karen Stone does spell her name C A I R N, and then also a riff on an existing name yeah, like Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone. And now let's end this episode with some Jeopardy. something that the two of us do all the time is write Jeopardy games. We love doing it. We've done it for friends at gatherings and um, we conclude every episode of Gaze at the National Parks with two rounds of Jeopardy. Mike has written a round. I have written a round and um, we have not heard each other's rounds at all until this moment. So Mike, do you want to start us off? Sure. What um, is your category? I was very inspired by volcanoes and volcano literature, film, what have you for my Jeopardy for oh, both of really? our volcanoes episodes. I know. What a surprise. What a surprise. So my Jeopardy category is called Dante's Peak. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. You and I have always thought like maybe one day we'll write the mm-hmm. same Jeopardy. I don't think we did that today, okay. but I am curious about it. Well, Dante's Peak is not what you expect. So, Oh, I'm ready. Dante's Peak for 100. At the beginning of Inferno, Dante is greeted by Virgil, his guide through the story, who is sent by Dante's love, Beatrice. As they enter into the gates of hell, they are greeted by this inscription above the gates, something you might say to a friend upon exiting the bathroom at their house after an all-you-can-eat taco and milkshake buffet. Oh, is it, um, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, <laughs> flush it down. It's not. It's no. abandon all hope ye who enter here. <laughs> Great. Right. Okay. So Dante's Peak is all about Dante's Inferno. Oh, something I have not read in years. Great. Great. But I do love a good literary category. There we go. Dante's go for Peak it. for 200. After passing through the gates and making it to the shores of the Acheron, the river that separates the uncommitted from the rest of hell, they need to seek steerage from a ferry and its pilot. This ferryman is the same of Greek mythology and similar to the name that Ozzy Osbourne can be heard frequently shouting on the Osbournes. Perhaps he was 
prepping for his entry. Sharon. <laughs> yeah. Sharon okay. or Karen. Sharon or Karen. Yeah. Karen. C-H-A-R-N. R-O-N. Oh, oh right. Who right, is right. the ferryman of Greek mythology. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, Orpheus and Eurydice makes yeah. an appearance sometimes <laughs> depending on the myth. But, All yeah. right. Dante's peak for 300. The first circle of hell that Virgil and Dante reach is in fact where Virgil resides, a place for the unbaptized and the virtuous pagans. You would think with a name like this, people would be lining up to get through the gates of the citadel that resides at its center. Apparently, the only way to get in is by answering the question, how low can you go? Must be the reason the first circle of hell has a name similar to this party game. What is limbo? That's correct. (laughs) From here, Virgil leads Dante down through the other eight circles of hell. Four of them are synonymous with the seven deadly sins of lust, gluttony, greed, and wrath. Beyond these four circles lie heresy, violence, fraud, and treachery. But what about the other seven deadly sins? Clearly, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman would have to pick up where Dante left off centuries later. What are the remaining deadly sins? Oh, other than... So you've Lust, listed... Lust, gluttony, greed, and wrath. Lust, gluttony, greed, and wrath. Mm-hmm. They are pride, mm-hmm. envy, mm-hmm. and sloth. That is correct. Yes. What is pride, envy, and sloth? Right. And last but not least, Dante's peak for 500... Once they reach the bottom of the ninth circle of hell, Virgil and Dante are met with the sight of Satan, frozen from the waist down in a great lake of ice. His three faces weep and drip down, and six and his six wings beat mercilessly, emanating a cold wind which keep him frozen in place. In each of his mouths, he gnaws on an important traitor from history. His central mouth holds him, perhaps the greatest spiritual deceiver from the Bible. Who is Judas? That is correct. All Very right. good. Dante's Peak. There you go, Dusty Ballard. Okay. Thank you, Michael Ryan. You're it is now time for my category. Great. Are you ready? I am. I was inspired by the spelling of the word Hawaii. Oh. Because Hawaii has a rare triple vowel. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Hawaii, H A W A I I. Okay. So. In this uh, category, you will just have to guess the word that has a triple vowel in it. Great. Based on... The clue. The clue. Wonderful. For 100. Okay. In Navajo legend, during times of drought, the tears of people would flow deep into the earth, creating this blue-green December birthstone. What is turquoise? Correct. Or turquoise. Turquoise. If you are Alexis Michelle on mm-hmm. season nine of Drag Race. Okay. For 200. This word can be used as a greeting or a departing word in Italy. What is ciao? Correct. 300. In this 1997 film, mostly set in the fictional Slovetsia, the children of a dictator are tutored by Joy Miller, played by Fran Drescher, who works as a this. What is the beautician? That is correct. (laughs) The beautician and the beast. Exactly. God, I love that movie. Yeah. It's basically, it literally is the nanny in film form. It's the nanny in film form. Yeah. It totally is. I I need that. Doesn't he, doesn't Maxwell Sheffield play the dictator too? Oh, no, 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 honey, no. It it isn't. Totally different actor. Yes. All right. Another beautiful beautiful actor but mm-hmm. yeah exactly okay. same dynamic same dynamic yeah but just set in mm-hmm. yeah and niles is there and cc yes <laughs> yeah right right yeah. <laughs> so i need that film to come back and like a sort of like i need it to gain like an underground following yeah. and like resurface in the same way that clue has resurfaced okay 
400, three vowels. This term was coined by Marie Curie after discovering this type of property in the elements uranium and radium. What is radioactive? Correct. Radioactive. Mm-hmm. And finally, for 500. This word means a general happy feeling, being lighthearted or cheerful, merrymaking and festivities, or a title that might describe 10% of the population. <laughs> I don't know. What is gaiety? Oh, gaiety. Gaiety. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Triple vowel. That is triple vowel. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we are here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. Email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com and visit our website at gazeatthenationalparks.com. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. All original artwork featured on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. We would like to acknowledge that while hiking in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, that we were hiking on the traditional lands of the Kanaka Owevi people. Tune in to episode 25 for part two of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And join us next week for the beginning of a series of trail mixes all about trails in Kauai, Hawaii.